Pastors and preachers are not prophets. Those positions were retired when the New Testament was completed. However, we are to continue in our church to maintain a prophetic ministry. We're to preach God's word under his spirit's anointing so that it may be judged in our fellowship as to whether it was of the spirit of God or not. Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn about our work to make Christ known among the nations, go to traincpe.org. And to discover more about our local missions fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. We have a new site we want to steer you to. It's called savingevangelicals.com or testyourtestimony.com. There you'll find an interactive experience that guides you into testing your testimony of saving faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 13.5 commands those in the church to do just that. There we read, test yourselves and see whether you are in the faith or don't you know that Christ is in you unless you fail the test. So go to savingevangelicals.com or testyourtestimony.com and take the test. All that's at stake is eternity. And now I want to turn our message today to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And in it we find a reminder of the impact that the preaching of God's word is to have in our fellowships. The body of Christ gathered together is called upon to discern whether the word has been declared to them. So let me commend to you this discerning spirit even today. It's encouraging and exhorting us on to take shape and let the life of Jesus Christ take shape of us and be built up within us. So the themes, you might say, of prophecy ultimately end in words of encouragement for the body of Christ. It can be a stern word, but it's always loving. It's always a word that goes forward believing the best possibility for anyone who will receive it. It isn't, as we said, preaching to the choir then, is it? It's really coming to us and seeking to build us as it's speaking to the heart that needs to be lifted up to Christ and called to see him and receive him for all that he is and all that he would do in the life of that individual. That's the prophetic word. That's how it is meant to go forward. It goes forward as encouragement. Often bring to my mind the image of coaches that I've seen work with my kids. You have some individual who thinks that coaching some kid in some kind of athletic endeavor means that you berate them all the time. There's another coach that just wants to be positive all the time, but he never gets the best out of your child either. It's the one who is able to be stern and direct, but always with this idea, you can do better. There's more for you to accomplish. Well, in this case, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Christ wants to lead us to excellency. Paul says, if you want to excel, excel. Now do it to build one another up. There's a correction in all of Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians. I've said it before, it's a book of discipline. and It was hard for him to write it. In 2 Corinthians, he'll tell you that he wrote it in tears. And yet it's a word of encouragement. There's comfort to it. He's seeking to build them up. Acts chapter 15, if you turn there for a moment, tells us of a letter that is written to the Gentile Christians in Antioch. In the letter is some instructions and some commandments for them in order that they may be able to relate and grow in their faith alongside the Jews. The problem was the Gentiles were being saved and they had a pattern of living that was different than the way the Jews were living. And what were the rules that they would kind of conduct themselves under so that they could be compatible with one another? 
how is the early church that was Jewish in nature going to deal with this influx of Gentiles in the church? Apostolic leaders back in Jerusalem debated this and talked about it, and they wrote a letter out to the church, and they sent it off. They sent it off through two individuals that would deliver and read the letter to the churches. Their names were Judas and Silas. The words of the letters came to them in verse 31 of chapter 15. It says this, And when these two men read it, speaking of the people, the Gentiles in Antioch, it says, They rejoiced because of its encouragement. Now the letter had commands in it. It told them they were to abstain from food that had been offered to idols. They weren't to eat any meat that had been strangled. This would offend their Jewish brothers. And then here was a common command for all of them. They were to keep themselves from sexual immorality, which was particularly active within the Gentile community. So had these commands within them. And it said, when these words, with these commands were given to them, they rejoiced and were encouraged. Verse 32 goes on to say this. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, remember we're speaking of the prophetic word, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. Prophetic ministry is not browbeating. It's not tearing people down. It's not leaving people so that they just feel in a heap of destruction before your words. No, it encourages you. It strengthens you. Even in the spirit of the commands that come upon you. That God says, folks, we need to be together more often. We need to be praying for one another. We need to be weighing God's word to our own hearts and expressing what God is teaching us to one another. That's God's call for the church. And the church around us is not following this leading. They're not mirroring this. The church has turned into an expression where people go to receive encouragement by watching performances. Or they go to churches where they just plug into programs. And that's not what God intended for the body. Now receive it. Deal with it. Be encouraged. Be strengthened. God has something better in mind for His body. Young people who are vacating evangelical churches are vacating it because the church has not expressed itself as God intended it. And they know it. They don't know what it is. But they know what they've seen is not exactly what's been advertised. Let us press in under the prophetic word to be what God has called us to be. And be encouraged and be strengthened. That's the nature of the prophetic word. The third thing here is it brings comfort. Here's the idea. It ministers consolation. It's the picture of someone who is in a battle and a struggle. In the midst of their lives, they're facing the hostilities of this evil world and this environment as they seek to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this proclaimed word tells them to endure to keep their eyes on the prize, to remain cheerful in the face of opposition, to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. It puts an arm of assurance around an individual who is the weary soldier and says, keep at it. God knows. God will answer in his time. You stay true. I think the great comfort of the prophetic word comes to us because we know that we're not dealing in trivialities. The prophetic word tells us that we're dealing with great, profound, sublime, world-changing things. And we are dealing with it before the person of Jesus Christ who one day all the nations will bow before and say He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And knowing that we are about something that's big and great, well, then we can go back and deal with the various challenges that we face on a day-to-day basis as we seek to live for Him. There's tremendous comfort in that. Tremendous comfort. Now, I want you to remember that the Corinthian church was making a big deal about the ecstatic gifts that had been given to them. 
And they thought that these were the things that would give expressions to their spiritual attainments. And as a result, they put those things first and they put prophecy and the prophetic ministry somewhere down the list. It's very strange that this church had become enamored with expressions of ecstatic gifts. They wanted the feeling of power and enthusiasm and excitement more than anything else. And as a result, they were neglecting and making secondary the prophetic proclamations of the Lord Jesus Christ and His truth that would bring them true edification, true encouragement, and true, deep, profound, lasting comfort and consolation. Exchanging these things for what they thought were spiritual experiences. Let's make sure that we don't do the same thing in our fellowship together. That we opt to steer clear of the clear prophetic expressions of God's truth because we want shortcuts to excitement and to the satisfaction of our felt needs. We'll rob ourselves of the edification and the encouragement and the comfort that God wants to bring to us through Jesus Christ and His Word. Here's the last thing. How then does this impact, or what will the impact be when this prophetic word is brought to the church on the unsaved who gather in our midst? And the answer is this. It will minister conviction from those who are under its conviction. As the church gathers around the word, as they judge the message, as they seek out Christ in that word, as they discern it, and then they discern it to their own lives, hearing it, knowing it, obeying it. As they find the voice of the Lord Jesus, they exalt Him, they follow Him, they listen not for head knowledge alone, not to pad their own theological arguments, but to hear Christ through His messengers. And then as they submit, as they come under Christ's direction for His way for their lives, Paul says when that takes place, when you are being brought under the conviction of that word, well then when an unbeliever comes into your midst, this open spirit that we have before God will come upon them and it will stir up a responsive openness in their own lives. They will themselves be brought under conviction as the truth is being taught and being heard and being applied. And as our hearts are being pierced by God's truth, their hearts will be pierced as well. That's what's being taught here. It says they will be convicted by all. How interesting. It says they're not convicted by the word. The word is for you. They will be convicted by all they will be convicted by your response to God's word. Your surrender to it. Your being brought down before and being broken. It says, then they will fall on their faces before God. But how will they fall on their faces before God? They'll follow you in the act. They'll see you coming before God and humbling yourself and saying, Oh God, we praise you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the instruction you have spoken. I'll obey, I'll follow, I'll give, I'll yield. Have your way. Have your own way, Lord. And they see that. And they're convicted, this word says, by all. And they eventually fall on their faces. And they say, because of what we did under the conviction of the prophetic word, they say, God is among you. So it's not us tying up neat little homiletical sermons. It's not making sure... We have just all the proper understanding and statement of the Greek words. All that's good. All that's important. It's not just a theological precision. It's not dotting all of our I's and crossing all of our T's. It's judging the word together. Looking for Christ. Together submitting to Him. Together in this place. Yielding our hearts before Him. 
and conviction is brought to the world. When we see what's going on in our communities around us and we see a drift in our society that seems to be further and further away from what has been the heritage that God has given to our nation, we don't need to become more shrill. We need to be more silent. We need to come before the Word and listen and judge it. And judging it, respond in a way that will bear a witness to the world that God is among us. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. And God, we thank you for the body and for this ministry. And even as we are on occasion, on our own before this word, speak to us by your spirit. Speak to us as we sang last week that we may speak in living echoes of thy tone. Teach us your word that we might teach those erring, lost, and lone. Oh God, may we seek to hear you and know you in this word individually, but may it be so that we might be channels only through which your truth might be sounded forth from our lives into the lives of our brothers and sisters. And as we yield before it in love of one another, submitted to your Lordship, O Lord, bring forth a witness to the world that needs to see a transformed community. O God, let the word proclaimed in this place put us before you and at your feet. Let our worship start with hearing from you. And then they will know that you have visited us. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I want to extend to you a welcome to join our worship every Sunday at 11 a.m. in the Old White Church at 1023 East State Street in the Warm Springs area of Boise. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links. Until the next time, may God bless you.